the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah. Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Business Matters. Allahu Akbar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to this another edition of Business Matters with me, your host Alameen Templeton. Oh, and boy, it's a chilly night tonight in Johannesburg. The sun has gone down and the moon is hanging in the purple sky like a, a shard of ice. Oh, and boy, we can feel it all over the country, can't we? Yeah, indeed. Uh, winter has arrived and it has arrived with a vengeance. But nevertheless, the JSE has uh, sh- shaken off all of the chills. Doesn't care what uh, people are saying about South Africa. Apparently, the RAND doesn't care what uh, shenanigans the politicians are getting up to. Um, and it's shaking off all of the kind of the doldrums and the negativity that has been uh, expressed towards emerging markets. Uh, doing really well, not just against its emerging market peers, but also against uh, all major currencies. Well, and the JSE is kind of like uh, sharing in uh, in the party. And everyone else has been sitting around and been talking down South Africa, talking about what a terrible country we're living in, what terrible politicians we have. And we do, we do have terrible politicians, just like everyone else around the world. Well, there are a few exceptions, but, well, anyway, on this cold and freezing day, the all-share index has managed uh, to uh, shatter the ice and is on 58,716.16 up 0.4%. Uh, that's after rising yesterday as well. Uh, top 30 index is also up 0.49% on 52,615. The rand recovering nearly a percent, uh, 0.9% against the dollar today on 14.69 to the dollar. We're on 18.69 against the pound, recovering uh, 0.63%. And uh, 16.62 against the euro. Still, you know, those are horribly northward prices, aren't they? Oh, gee, a few years ago, it was the 14 to the euro. And now it's 16.62, nearly 17. Ah, oh, boy, it still doesn't uh, make for good reading, does it not, if you're a South African? Gold is on $1,326.48. Mm, kind of like uh, waiting for some direction. It uh, looks as though Donald Trump is uh, keen to give gold direction in spades, um, uh, threatening um, the China's uh, premier that he better meet me on the sidelines of the G20 meeting. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, kind of like setting the conditions for the Chinese to say, sorry, but we're not willing to meet with such a rude and rambunctious child. Mm, well, anyway, uh, shares on the JSE, uh, those in trouble uh, on the uh, the rogues gallery, the most watched shares on the JSE, Steinoff as usual, in first place. That's amazing. What are people going on having, having a look? You know, go and have a look at that precipitous fall back in uh, December 2017. And, uh, you know, it's been flatlining ever since then for a few little little bumps and hiccups along the way, but not really showing any inclination to return to where it was. Uh, I suppose I'm always hoping that there's going to be a, um, a Steinhoff announcement that Marcus Euster has agreed to repay all of the money. Mm. Sabania, uh, well, it's uh, the most um, ag- aggressive gold producer in the country, uh, now the biggest gold producer in the country, uh, is having the temerity moving into pa- platinum mining as well. Um, and uh, of course, it's got Amco to deal with there. Uh, well, so gold producers and platinum producers have been a bit in um, favor of late, 
But nevertheless, the Banya is still the second most watched share on the JSE today. Naspass, the third most watched share, as it uh, continues moves to um, to translocate basically the grootste trek. Hy gaan nou in die Nederlands toe. Nee, hy gaan nie Transvaal toe nie, gaan nie Pretoria toe nie, gaan mos nie Vreesta toe nie, nee, Naspers gaan mos Nederlands toe. Mm. Ja, Naspers gaan Nederlands toe. Well, uh, one share of uh, Naspers will cost you 3,504 Rand 65. Yeah, no, that wasn't a mistake. Steinhoff will cost you 1 Rand 41. To buy a Steinhoff share, to buy enough to buy an Aspas share will cost you three thousand five hundred and four rand sixty-five. It's for this reason Aspas is saying that it has to move back to Europe. It's because we're just too big. We're just too big for South Africa. We just got too big. So we're going to leave you um, a multi-choice. Uh, we know that it's uh, yesterday's company. Um, and Netflix and so on are uh, taking care of that. They're trying to bring out an answer to Netflix. But look, you know what? Either, either you're going to be TV or you're going to be Netflix. Uh, Naspass is going to have to find uh, something else for, for the multiple choice to do. There's a multiple choice you've got to find. You've got to find something else for television to do if it wants to be sitting around. And, uh, well, I'd, uh, I warned you a few a few days ago that uh, let's see in two years' time if there's anything left of multiple choice on the JSC. Although maybe I should have been asking, let's see if the JSC is still going to be here. Um, because uh, with the amount of companies uh, shutting shop, closing down, um, no longer trading shares, um, asking to be suspended and so on, uh, one wonders um, if everyone there is uh, sort of heading towards the door. Um, it seems that not, not only are white South Africans leaving, uh, but uh, they're, they're trying to take their corporations with them. Uh, <laughs> Oh, is, is, is that too bit of a... Yeah, no, the JSC is just not looking happy. South Africa is not happy as a country. Uh, what are we going to do? Uh, really, it feels that we have to do something. Uh, but according to the system that we have, you're not allowed to do anything because doing anything would be illegal, you know? You've got to leave it up to the politicians. Oh, no. You've got to leave it up to police. Oh, no. 64 cases of uh, um, currency manipulation are reported to the police by the JSC over the last two years. And uh, the police have done absolutely squat. Nothing. Nothing at all. And is it wonder, any wonder, you know, if I was a currency trader and I wasn't a Muslim, I suppose I, I would be um, ripping off the currency as much as I could. Because if you know the police are going to do nothing about it, um, <clears throat> competition commission held an investigation into it. That doesn't seem to have gone very far. Uh, there have been investigations into rain manipulation in New York. And uh, they've found a whole lot of uh, banks guilty. And, uh, well, that's as far as it's gone. Hmm. And, well, it would appear that the RAND remains uh, the, 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 the plaything of the international currency dealers. But it has hit back uh, in the last few days, has bitten back. And I suppose they're just going to be waiting for a little bit of um, uh, bad feeling towards South Africa for um, uh, politicians to misbehave a little bit. Ace Magashule, what have you done? Hmm? I mean, if Ace Magashule was responsible for the rand falling through the floor last week, one has to wonder what is Ace Magashule up to today that he has now caused the rand to rebound like this. I mean, but facetious, I must admit. Um, most of the rand's movement 
is largely a function of international markets. Has got nothing to do with us. Uh, maybe moving one way or another if you have a big uh, reconciliation happening on any given day. Uh, but, uh, of course, it doesn't happen all the time. Um, and, uh, well, uh, the, the biggest winners on the JSE today are Kumba Iron Ore, uh, Implats and Tiger Brands. Uh, Mr. Price is in fourth place and Africa Rainbow Minerals is the biggest winner today. Uh, so, yeah, so it's interesting to see uh, that we've had a... Yeah, um, commodity producers, the biggest winners today. Capco, the biggest loser today, losing 2.74. Motors, the car, the car the spare parts uh, company, a retailer, a big loser today, uh, down 2.37%. So nothing really big there. No, no, no real big movers, no big shocks on the JSC. We're just uh, having a bit of a technical issue at the moment. Going to go, go across for we'll a quick commercial break. Inshallah, we'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. Well, the JSE has largely picked up today. Uh, thanks uh, to uh, Donald Trump and Mexico reaching a deal on immigrants coming over the wall. Um, Mexico says they're going to be doing something before they get to the Rio Grande. And um, Donald Trump saying, well, okay, well, in that case, I'm not going to uh, slap in a 25% surcharge on any imports coming across the wall into the United States from Mexico. Uh, so this has largely been uh, driving positive sentiment towards emerging markets, and South Africa seems to have been a major recipient of uh, that uh, largesse and goodwill. Um, also, the gold price is looking like it could be heading north, and uh, for some reason or other, South Africa's rand is still uh, connected to the gold price, um, although Ghana is now a bigger gold producer, in, is in fact Africa's biggest gold producer nowadays, actually producing more gold out of Ghana than they're producing in South Africa. And one wonders, is the gold industry ever going to recover, or is it gone and done, done and dusted? Is that the end of the gold industry? Well, um, that's, a, that's a long question. There, there, there are many issues relating to that. We can't get into it now. Manufacturing today has surprised on the upside. Upside. Uh, Donald Trump has caused had more tantrums, and um, you know, gold bugs are having a look at him. He's now turning into their favorite man, the man in the big red tie. Greenpeace has made suggestions for an ESCOM turnaround and how it can uh, stop uh, choking and poisoning people uh, in the in the high felt um, uh, troubled area between um, sort of eastern Gauteng and um, Mpumalanga. Uh, got the dirtiest air in the whole world. Can you believe it? Well, and it turns out also that load shedding has always been a scam. That's the story just come out today. Um, rent my ride. Tell me something. Have you ever wondered, like, you know, you know, you pay so much for your car, and yet your car just, like, spends most of its time sitting around doing nothing. Hmm? While you're busy in your office working away, your car is just taking it easy in the garage down below, trying to chat up the the um, the Lamborghini next door, you know, the, the, the chief executive parked next to you because his parking had been stolen by... Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But you can now uh, rent your car out while you're sitting in your office. You can actually make your car available for people to rent if you're willing to take the risk that is hoping that they are going to treat it well. Because some people, they really love their cars. And uh, speaking of cars, we're wondering, uh, we're asking, is Tesla on the way out? Yeah, South Africa's um, Elon Musk 
uh, the, the South Africa's latest billionaire brain, um, shooting rockets off, uh, hoping to colonize Mars one day. Uh, he got big ideas on electric cars, electric batteries, and so on. Solar roof tiles for houses, and so on. Uh, well, the people are now starting to say that Tesla, the electric car company that he started, is now looking as though it has started to head towards the exit doors. Naspass has bought Turkish online payment has bought a Turkish online payment company today. A medical schemes um, council is probing racial profiling of Indian doctors. So hopefully we're going to be able to get through all of this. South Africa's manufacturing grew much more than expected in April as production of cars, electronics, metal products and furniture jumped, providing the first glimmer of hope for an economy mired in contraction and policy uncertainty. Manufacturing output uh, expanded by 4.6% year-on-year in April, the biggest growth since June 2016, according to Stats SA today. Uh, That's the first positive data since a May vote returned Silver Ramaphosa to office. Uh, analysts surveyed by Reuters had expected a modest expansion of just 1.35%. So 4.6% is a major big difference. It seems that the production of motor cars uh, has biggest, been the biggest contributor to that. Uh, motor car production uh, soared by 18.6%. Elec- electrical machinery jumped to 12.2%. And the basic iron and steel category saw 9.4% growth. So it's nice to see. Uh, manufacturing uh, really uh, stepping up to um, the, the the table here. Only clothing and footwear showed a contraction, uh, given the, the competition from China. That's not really, really surprising. The economy shrunk 3.2% in the first quarter. That's according to data that came out last week. And those shocked figures, followed by a squabble between government officials over the mandate of the Reserve Bank, Drove the currency to a one-year low, but a nationwide power outages uh, by Alien Escom at the start of the year, that has been knocking manufacturing and mining. But since March, block and blackouts have eased, and uh, the biggest factor in the previous three months was load shedding. There's now some normalization, so I guess we can anticipate a recovery, but it's probably not going to be an um, impressive growth going forward. We've still got an increase in tariffs from uh, ESCOM to contend with. Uh, people are hoping uh, that the gold price isn't going to uh, increase all that much more in the coming year. Hopefully we've got the worst of that behind us. Uh, but nevertheless, ESCOM uh, is also going to be hurting us uh, going forward. If it's not with not giving us electricity, it's going to be with uh, demand in higher tariffs for the electricity that we only get uh, every now and then. Um, yeah, well, uh, according to Nedbank, as uh, Nikki Weimar, senior economist, they don't foresee a recession this year. Hopefully, they're going to be right. Uh, recession is, of course, uh, two, qu- two successive quarters of negative growth. Uh, U.S. equity futures climbed today. Treasuries and gold fell, but not by much. Uh, that's, uh, and people are now starting to turn their attention towards the American trade talks. Uh, that's with the scare over Mexico not coming to fruition. Uh, means people have uh, now said, okay, well, maybe things aren't that bad. And they are now um, looking at emerging markets such as South Africa with a little bit more favor and a kinder eye. Uh, advances in miners and car makers pulled the stock's Europe 600 index higher. Uh, and in Asia, China equities outperformed after news that local government may spend more on infrastructure. That has helped offset the threat by Donald Trump to raise tariffs again if President Xi Jinping doesn't meet him at the Group of 20 summit at month's end. 
So like I said, that, that, that's one way. If he doesn't meet me, I am going to raise tariffs. The guy says, well, now if I go and meet him, people are going to say I'm scared, so I'm not going to go meet him. Not only that, but it's rude, and this isn't how you do diplomacy. Well, if uh, diplomacy is one thing that uh, Donald Trump knows absolutely nothing about, uh, he may well uh, do well to reconsider how uh, maybe he should go on a diplomatic course, a course in diplomacy, because um, he may have uh, the art of the deal in America, but he isn't the big wiggy that he thinks he is when it comes to international markets. Uh, I've always said that when Donald Trump approaches um, uh, trade talks and trade deals, he approaches it in much in the way a man would uh, when he's playing poker. But it seems to me that when it comes to trade deals, the Chinese are playing chess. So we're getting a very different kind of thing coming out over here. International markets looking for some kind of direction. Which way are these talks going to go? Is this really the end? Are we really now going to have a major trade war between the world's two biggest economies? And with no direction coming through, um, investors are sitting on their hands on the sidelines and not wanting to commit any money either this way or the other. Uh, the dollar has edged slightly higher against its major peers, but it looks as though it may well be on a weaker trajectory going forward throughout this year. Uh, that may push oil prices a little bit higher. And it has pushed gold higher already. And uh, continuing talk and criticisms from uh, Donald Trump about the U.S. Fed, both on its um, desire to um, to take money out of the system, $4.5 trillion worth of uh, QE, quantitative easing, uh, has been uh, flushed into the markets. And, you know, well, now people are expecting, okay, so now you need to start withdrawing that money from the markets because that's the way it works. Other because if you don't, then in actual fact, all you've been doing is printing money and you've been doing the Mugabe option. And now you need the Zim dollar option to now to apply to the U.S. dollar. And, uh, well, America, you know, the, the U.S. Fed, like, you know, cautious and worried about uh, such perceptions potentially pulling the, the floor from underneath the dollar um, a few months ago um, said okay we're going to start a quantitative tightening which is taking money out of the system well Donald Trump nearly blew his top his face went redder than his own tie did I tell you and um, he's now saying that yeah no the US Fed not only not has to stop quantitative tightening which it has uh, it must now also start cutting its interest rates, which are at a massively high level of 2.75%. Mm. So now this is the world's biggest and strongest economy. It cannot afford to repay the money that has flushed its system and kept its system artificially alive, basically on life support since 2008. In fact, I would argue that it's been on life support since so long before that, since about 1998, for the, in fact, for the last 21 years, United States economy has been on life support. I mean, I, I, can, I can rattle off the life support scams off the top of my head. Um, the United States pretends to be a strong economy, but it's not a strong economy. And you know it's not a strong economy because it can only afford an uh, interest rate of 2.75% uh, when it's got like uh, you know, uh, economic growth around about the same level. Uh, it's flushed of $4.57 trillion worth of money into its economic system, and it cannot afford to take it back out again. So here you are speaking about an artificially contrived economy, an economy that is kept alive uh, through um, artificial means, and if it was allowed to go its natural way, it would just die. Well, 
That's my my honest opinion about things. And, uh, you know, um, when the U.S. Fed needs to start raising interest rates in order to cut back on its quantitative easing trillions, uh, Donald Trump is saying, no, you must go in the opposite direction. So that says to you that the United States is not a healthy economy. The main reason, I would say, uh, is the demographics, uh, nuclear family uh, society, um, when, what, nuclear, what the nuclear family does is it initially pushes everyone uh, to break their family ties, to go live in your own house, all in your own, and you're going to be your boss and you're going to be king of your castle. Yes, and everyone follows that, that uh, beaten path uh, that is pride. And uh, as such, um, you know, their standard of living does increase. It goes up. They're able to get loans from all kinds of banks, get some nice houses, they get nice cars, and then they lose their job. And they, um, you know, life isn't just one steady upward uh, stream going in one direction, you know, a smooth advance into our future. No, there are plenty of dips along the way. You're going to be falling into gullies, you're going to be breaking your leg. You're going to be finding yourself fired, getting in arguments with your boss. Um, uh, your house is going to burn down. Your car is going to crash. You know, his car is going to get stolen. All of these things happen. All of these things happen. And as a result of this, you know, that nice, smooth path that we see for ourselves when you're like 21 years old. When you're 41 years old and you look back on that path, it looks very different from what we had envisaged, doesn't it? And as a result of all of this, you've had to take all kinds of... Um, emergency measures uh you've been saving up for your pension you had to like cash in your pension in order to like pay off your overdraft on your on your house and you managed to save your house and uh you know you've taken out a second mortgage now you know all of these kind of things happen uh so you see what happens is the cost of living goes up and the standard of living goes down and people become more and more and more desperate and those costs just continue rising trying to put the kid through school you know, holding down two jobs, holding down three jobs. Uh, all of these things uh, people in the United States and so on are doing. Um, they don't have a very strong representation at work. The salaries are battling uh, to maintain a pace with inflation. And so, and of course, on top of all of that, this America also has the world's strongest and biggest military, which also means that America has the world's most expensive military, and it doesn't come free. They may try and uh, steal the resources, steal the oil, steal the gold in the reserve banks, steal all of, all of the, the, the ancient artifacts, uh, but even that is not enough to, um, to pay for greed, to pay for pride, and that is something that America has in spades. Land of the proud, home of the greedy. That's America. Yeah, so anyway, iron ore is back up today. Uh, that's because of, of China's um, big uh, domestic um, local government spending on infrastructure, local, in, local government infrastructure, something the United States actually can't afford to do. The United States' bridges are in disrepair. Its highways are in disrepair. It doesn't have the money to fix these things. Its sewage pipes are, are breaking down. Unlike South Africa, we've got the money, but uh, the politicians are stealing it. Oh, yes, I know. That's just like America as well, I'm quite sure. But then again, of course, you know, we're not waging uh, terror against all kinds of nations around the world. Um, and America is. And that costs a lot of money. So, you know, 
you know, you go and blow bridges in other people's countries and your own bridges start sagging and falling apart. So, so it goes. Sentiment has turned cautiously optimistic with investors looking at the G20 summit in Japan as the next way station in the trade dispute. Uh, keeping the tensions elevated, Trump told reporters on Monday he would impose tariffs of 25 or much higher than 25 on $300 billion worth of Chinese goods. It used to be $250 billion, now it's gone up to $300 billion. Now, if you were Xi, Xi Jinping, would you be keen to meet this guy on the sidelines? I would say no ways. I'm not, I'm not going to meet him. You must foot sick. Um... So people are saying that it looks as though uh, things are going to be pretty pretty volatile um, ahead of their G20 meeting. Uh, he said on Monday, yesterday evening, he was ready to impose another round of punitive tariffs. Uh, he accused Europe of devaluing the Eurozone single currency in a series of tweaks that also targeted U.S. monetary policy with renewed attacks on the U.S. central bank. The man is going insane. He says the euro and other currencies are devalued against the dollar, putting the U.S. at a big disadvantage. You know, using his superior intellect and his best words that he has. He also slammed U.S. interest rates as being too high. So he has to show you, the United States is in actual fact a robber economy. It is a fraud. The dollar is worthless. Interest rate futures traders are pricing in an almost 80% chance of a rate decrease at the Fed's July meeting. And uh, I, would, I would agree with that. Hedge fund man managers oil. He has a good thing. Yeah, he has a good indicator for oil. Hedge fund managers are liquidating bullish oil positions at the fastest rate since the fourth quarter of 2018 amid increasing fears about the health of the global economy. You see, as this trade war starts to bite... So, um, you know, uh, countries are going to be buying and selling uh, less to it and from each other. And as a result, there's going to be less business being done. And that means that business is going to be not be working as hard as it has been. That means it's going to need less oil. That's a simple fact of life. You know, delivery trucks aren't going to be delivering. Um, uh, all kinds of things that, that use petrol for deliveries are going to be having that cost taken out of the equation. They're going to be using less oil. That means there's going to be less demand, and that means the oil price is probably going to drop. So when the hedge fund managers start selling the oil that they have bought as part of an effort to try and push up the prices, well, then you must know that they see oil price coming down. And they're the guys who are usually in the know and usually ahead of the pack. Um, they've been net sellers of more than 104 million barrels of uh, futures and options linked to the six most important petroleum contracts in the week to June 4. That seems in one week they've sold $104 million, uh, rather barrels of oil. Fund managers have a total of 290 million barrels of petroleum in the last six weeks. They sold 290 million barrels of petrol uh, after buying at 609 million in the previous 15 weeks since January the 8th. So you can see they've been building up their stockpile. Now suddenly they, they're reducing it very sharply. They still have an overall bullish position of 621 million barrels, but uh, that's far off from the peak of, 200, of 911 million as of April 23. That's an, a 911 number there, you see. Mm. Multi-choice, South Africa's biggest pay TV company, says it expects to swing to a headline loss this year. Ah, told you so. I told you so. Hurt by foreign exchange losses and a charge on a stake disposal in its South African business. 
it says that uh, it's working very well. It's operating profit is looking really good. But, you know, when the workers hand the results over to the board, the board says, thank you, we're going to take our chunk and going to throw this chunk off through to those idiotic. These idiotic investors, they actually invested in multi-choice when we were getting ready to move across to Holland. Well, well, that's all we have time for at the moment. We're going to go for another commercial break. Uh, inshallah, we're back in just a moment. Don't go away. The voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah, Marcus Sahaba Online Radio, Business Matters. Well, there you go. Uh, if you want to call in, our telephone number here in Lanazi is 010 010-001-004. Or you can WhatsApp us your messages on 084-786-3132. 084-786-3132. Now, you know, looking at uh, American presidents and uh, American politicians, it seems to me that in actual fact they're starting to exhibit the kind of behavior that the Roman senators were displaying as uh, the Goths. Uh, across the Rubicon and started heading down towards the capital of Rome. More than 20,000 of them had come across the border after they'd been pushed away by and pushed aside by Germanic tribes. They had been promised protection from, uh, from the Roman Empire and uh, they had not been given this protection. Uh, and they were now moving on Rome, a 20,000 strong army moving towards the capital city. The capital city has sent off its uh, its uh, army, its huge big army, to go and fight other Germanic tribes um, out there around about sort of Macedonia and those kind of places. And uh, the entire army got wiped out. So here you have Rome. Uh, its army's been wiped out. It doesn't have an army in order to defend the capital city against an army of 20,000 very hungry Huns. Goths, rather, not Huns, Goths. Um, these were the uh, the um, the Ostrogoths. The Ostrogoths they divided into two. The Goths, as uh, one went over to Spain, those are called the the Rizigoths, the Western Goths, and the Ostrogoths, of course, the Eastern Goths. Um, and did you know, by the way, that in the time of Jahilia, there was a battle going on between Trinitarian Christianity and Unitarian Christianity. Followers of Isa alayhi salam who said he wasn't God and we must worship Allah Ta'ala as Musa alayhi salam and everyone else had worshipped Allah Ta'ala going before. And the Trinitarians who wanted to please uh, the, um, the, the, the Byzantine Emperor Constantine in 325 AD, uh, they drew up the, 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 what is now known as the New Testament. The Jewish people call it the most evil book ever written. I would tend to agree with them. Uh, but there you go. Um, uh, in, in return for this, uh, Constantine, the emperor, was going to recognize Christianity as, as the religion of Rome, of the entire empire. It was going to make it the, the empire's religion. Uh, and so in order to make it more palatable, palatable to the Greeks, who had a pantheon of gods, um, they came up with this idea that God, in actual fact, had, had a son, uh, much like Zeus uh, had, he had two sons, I believe, Zeus. Uh, whose names I can't recall right now. And um, and so this all fitted in very nicely with the Greek idea of gods and, and God and so on, you see. 
Uh, and of course, there was a political slant at all because um, the uh, the bishops who were going to be appointed in all the various uh, cities around the empire were going to be given the, con- the the position of magistrate, of consul. They, the guy in the area, anyone who has disputes, to come to him. Allocation of land and so on, fines and so on. Uh, you know, given the state contracts and so on. The Bishop would be deciding. So it was you. It was a political issue. Now it's a political office. You're going to get money out of this. Much like uh, our politicians in Parliament today. 91,000 rand a month. That's what they get paid. Hmm? You can go fall asleep in Parliament and uh, for the next four years and you'll get paid 91,000 bucks a month. That's not bad money if you can get it. But anyway, so the same thing was going on with the Christian bishops. And uh, so it was going to be really beneficial if you can get yourself a bishopric somewhere in the Roman Empire. Uh, but anyway, it was now um, um, around about 70 years later. The Goths were at the gates of Rome and uh, they are wanting to come in. But now the, the Roman senators, much like uh, the Roman Senate, uh, the, the, the United States senators today and the United States congressmen today, Instead of turning around and recognizing the new external reality, they continued, they continued conducting their affairs according to the internecine squabbles that uh, constituted Roman politics at that time. <coughs> Excuse me. They believed that they could, they could continue trying to, uh, you know, oppose that faction in, in the Senate and not allowing that faction to get the upper hand and uh, to stick together with our brothers and our allies over here. And uh, by so doing, uh, we're going to make the Goths go away. In fact, uh, various factions wanted to get uh, the side of the Goths. One side would make them promises, and then the other side would make them promises. And then another side would keep the promises. And then it all came to a head when they went and they tried to assassinate the leader of the Goths, whose name was Alaric. Well, that was it. Alaric said, okay, well, now we're supposed to have in peace talks uh, with the various divisions among these crazy Roman senators. And uh, they, they, they treat us like idiots. This is the biggest issue facing them. The Goths did not want to burn down Rome. The Goths only wanted protection. The Goths did not want to pillage Rome. But in the end, they were forced to do so. So you see, um, Rome, Rome in the time of Jehelia was burnt down three times. Three times. All three times by Christians. That was the end of Rome. That's what actually destroyed the Roman Empire. Now you go and you listen to uh, these, uh, you know, National Geographic and... Um, you know, um, Da Vinci Online and all these kind of, you know, documentaries about the fall of Rome. And not one of those will tell you that Rome was burnt down three times by Christians in a war between Trinitarian Christians and Unitarian Christians. But nevertheless, inasmuch as the Roman senators uh, failed to recognize the new reality, so it seems that America's politicians are trying to uh, conduct international affairs according to uh, local political interests. Now, now l- l- listen to Donald Trump speaking up uh, his trade talks with China. And you can, you can tell from the language he's using and the way he's speaking that he's in actual fact trying to, trying to attract the attentions and the favors of, uh, of a hillbilly in the hills of Tennessee who's got a 
who's got a bottle of hooch uh, kind of plugged into one finger and it's, it's over his shoulder and every now and then he kind of gives a burp and leans over to one side and takes a good sip of that sipping smooth Tennessee whiskey and he puts it down again. And he's listening to the radio there and he's saying, this Donald Trump fella, he may be a New Yorker Yankee, but he sure speaks my language. So let's 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 just consider um, Donald Trump's language uh, as he's speaking uh, yesterday evening to uh, reporters, um, you know, and into the ear via the media of uh, Jing Xiaoping, the, the premier of the, of China. Uh, he told reporters at the White House on Monday he would impose tariffs of twenty five percent, or <coughs> excuse me, much higher than twenty five percent on three hundred billion dollars of Chinese goods. He says, we've never gotten 10 cents from China. Now we're going to get a lot of money from China. No, no, okay, there you see. Um, uh, you're a businessman and so on. Uh, we'll hopefully be educated enough to see above uh, Donald Trump's uh, discourse and to understand that, uh, yes, he actually understands uh, complex international trade issues. He was asked if he would uh, enact the additional tariffs immediately if there is no meeting at the G20 summit later this month. He said, yes, I would. I think he will go, and I think we're scheduled to have a meeting. I think we'll go, and I have a great relationship with him. He's actually an incredible guy. He's a great man. He's very strong, very smart. But he's for China, and I'm for the United States. You know, he's starting to sound like Rocky. Hmm? Out of a Rocky movie. He's very strong, very smart, but he's for China and I's for the United States. You see, that's something Rocky would say. That's something, something a guy in the, uh, the Catskills Mountains would say. But uh, as for a president of a country, I'm not really sure as though those are the best words that the president should be using. I know Donald Trump likes to tell people that he has the best words and he has the best friends. But he says, he says China is going to make a deal because they're going to have to make a deal. Well, now, you know, that sounds like something you'd say uh, if you were um, on a, a, a live uh, television a reality TV show. Um, a Chinese uh, foreign ministry official demurred. He said, we have noted that the U.S. publicly stated many times that it looks forward to arranging a meeting between the Chinese and the U.S. presidents on the sidelines of the G20 summit. If we have this information, we will release it in due time. Spokesman Zheng Shuang reiterated. It sounds like Zheng Shuang has a lot more understanding of international politics and protocol than Donald Trump does. Uh, and so, you know, that if you, you know, if I was to put money on it, which I'm not going to, I'm, I'm a Muslim, I don't gamble. But nevertheless, if I was going to put money on it and I wasn't Muslim and I, you know, when I, I listen, uh, stuck for a while when we go down there, you know what? I doubt Jing Xiaoping is going to be meeting Donald Trump on the sidelines of the G20 meeting. Uh, United States is failing to realize, like, like you see when they, um, they're telling uh, Turkey that they're not going to sell them the F-35 fighter the bomber jet. Because they've gone and bought the S-400 missile defense system from Russia. Now, now, now America is apparently wanting them to buy the Patriot system. Before this, they wouldn't allow them to buy the Patriot system. Now they're trying to get them to buy the Patriot system as well. But it seems like Turkey's decided to diversify its risks. Um, and so, uh, 
You know, like you, you see the way it, uh, like America says, well, if, 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 if you buy that Esther 400 uh, missiles, uh, we, we, we're gonna, we're not going to sell these uh, F-35s. And Tukey says, well, that's fine. Don't sell us F-35. You know, the next day, Americans, if you buy them, see, we're not going to buy them. We're not going to sell these F-35s. Um, Tukey says, that's fine. We don't want to buy the F-35. You know, like a week later, we're not going to trade your pilots on the F-35. We're not going to trade your pilots. Tukey says, that's fine. We're going to buy the, the S-400. You know, I mean, it it sounds as though America is like, you know, these Americans are going overseas. They're keeping one eye uh, looking over them to make sure that the cameras are still following them so the folks back home can see them and they're doing a good job. You know, they're talking to the folks back home. They're not talking to an international audience. And uh, that suggests that the United States has, in actual fact, lost track big time. Um Well, anyway, the United States says the U.S. is actually going to be leading very shortly, you know. We're leading in everything, he said, of China. He said, as great as they are, and they are great, they don't want to have near the capability of our geniuses in Silicon Valley that walk around in undershirts, and they were $2 billion. What on earth does that mean? He's, uh, speaking of Huawei, Donald Trump said, yes, I do see it as a threat. At the same time, it could be very well that we do something with respect to Huawei as part of our trade negotiation with China. China very much wants to make a deal. They want to make a deal much more than I do, but we'll see what happens. Well, it doesn't sound as though um, uh, we're going to uh, get any major breakthroughs in trade talks uh, very shortly, in which case maybe you want to start stocking up on, on bullion, on, on gold. On the tentative meeting with Xi, uh, Trump said we're expected to meet, and if we do, that's fine. And if we don't, look, from our standpoint, the best deal we can have is 25% on $600 billion worth of goods. So you see now he's getting... You know, it's like it's, it's like so predictable. You can see like Donald Trump uh, pulling his bluff from behind his uh, set of cards. He's holding a very shaky hand. You know, he's not even good at... He's not even good at He's not even good at poker, you know. He probably has got his best friends around the best table, you know, the best poker cards and uh, the, the most excellent poker game, and then he pays all of them to, to lose. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how Donald Trump uh, does his business, I, I'm starting to suspect. He says, if we don't have a deal and we don't make a deal, we'll be raising the tariffs, putting tariffs on more than... We, can, we only tax 35 to 40% of what they said. Then they, they, and then they had another 60% that'll be taxed. So uh, he's like, you know, he is going through the roof. Uh, for some Chinese experts, this again sounds like a trick. Trump wants to use maximum pressure to force China to come back to the negotiation table. Remember, it was China that walked away. And if there's no meeting between the two leaders, Trump will put the blame on China. Yes, that's what Trump is trying to do. But he's going to look like an idiot. The more pressure he builds and then nothing happens, the bigger idiot he's going to look. Okay, Mexico blinked. Mexico, is, but then it, apparently Mexico didn't blink. Because according to um, uh, news reports coming out, the agreements that Mexico has said that they're going to do in order to curb the wave of immigrants heading towards the Rio Grande wall that Trump still hasn't built yet, are things that they'd agreed to beforehand. So they just went to Donald Trump uh, who's the master of the art of the deal. It's just the problem is his uh, memory isn't what it used to be. And they went and they, they agreed to do what they had agreed to do at the previous meeting. 
And Donald Trump was so full of himself, thought that he'd had got a major breakthrough and said, okay, we know we're, we're not going to slap 25% tariff on Mexican goods coming across the Rio Grande. And, uh, well, anyway. So, you know, it's a big hoo-ha about nothing. Um, and, uh, well, the rest of the world tries to make sense of it in the meantime. Now here's a story um, out today. ESCOM employees engineered the load shedding to sign emergency contracts to benefit coal suppliers to the tune of 14.5 trillion rands in 2008. That's according to City Press this weekend. I didn't see that article. Uh, it cited a special investigating unit report, which was handed to former President Jacob Zuma in 2017, but never officially released. According to the news report, ESCOM was behind the self-created emergency, which partly resulted in the first bout of load shedding in 2008. The load shedding was aimed at signing numerous long-term coal contracts, which are handed out without proper tender processes. Uh, the latest report follows a Rand Daily Mail article in 2017 that stated the 2008 blackouts, which cost South Africa around 300 billion rand, were engineered deliberately to benefit favoured companies. The Rand Daily Mail also cited a 2015 law report by law firm Dentons, which said senior ESCOM executives benefited from contracts and had paid up to 200% more than necessary for coal. Uh, Well, there you go. Uh, Energy expert Ted Blom, who predicted the current ESCOM meltdown in 2013, said that the current coal shortages at the power utility were going to last for at least another five years. He said ESCOM's coal problems were self-inflicted and a result of inaction from ESCOM's management. He said he compiled a report with ESCOM engineers in 2007, which warned the utility that it needed to intervene to ensure it did not run out of coal. So they did intervene, and they paid huge big amounts of coal to all of their buddies, and um, and they undertook to open 40 new coal mines, and uh, that didn't happen, and so we are in the problems that we are facing today. Now, Professor Uwe Leprich, it has unpacked the details of the reforms needed at ESCOM and South Africa's electricity sector. He says the recommendations will allow ESCOM to stabilize its economic situation, reduce its debt, and be a significant player in promoting a transition to renewables, according to Greenpeace. Now, this is, comes out of uh, the uh, court case that Greenpeace has brought against the, the government to try and force it uh, and ESCOM to start cleaning up the air there uh, around uh, Woodbank and so on. Emalathleni as it is known nowadays. Gradual phasing out of coal-fired power stations. This is the first step ESCOM needs to do. Greenpeace Africa supports the recommendations of Dr. Tobias Bischof Nimth for the energy transition. Bischof Nimth co-authored a book titled South Africa's Energy Transition, which recommends that the oldest power stations be decommissioned in the next five years. Now they already have started doing some of this, but now they, they're actually talking about to turn around and actually salvaging the old power stations and just getting rid of Madupi and Kasile. So exactly where we're going to go on this, uh, well, no one really knows. Um, uh, according to the esteemed doctor, ESCOM's power stations, except Mudipi and Kasili, should be sold off one by one over the next five years. What do you mean? Who are you going to sell them off to? It is yet to be determined if private companies would be allowed to buy shares in coal plants or if public companies can participate in the auctions of the plants, the report reads. Further, Mudipi and Kasili should be sold in a package in which enough capital can be raised through the sale to cover the debt obligations of the stations, according to the report. Additionally, private generation companies cannot own more than 20% of overall coal plant capacity to ensure the market remains competitive. Now, there is a, is a, is a vital clause 
Mm, you know, as we move uh, towards privatization, despite anything uh, Jacob, I mean, um, Silver Ramaphosa is saying, they are. They're heading towards privatization. Um, mm, 20% restriction. Let's see if that clause survives the privatization drive. By selling the coal-fired power plants, ESCOM could significantly reduce its debt burden and turn to sustainable seg- segments of the electricity sector, according to the report. Open independent power producer auctions for renewable energies to ESCOM. Greenpeace also calls for renewable energies to be developed, according to the draft Integrated Resource Plan of 2018 for 2030. No new coal should be allowed, and only a limited number of new flexible fossil fuel plants should be put out to tender by independent transmission system operator, the report says. ESCOM should retain control as transmission system operator. This is to prevent a private... um, a private player from taking over, uh, according to the good doctor, uh, set up six regional electricity distributors, and they must be publicly owned through shares from ESCOM, municipalities, cities, and other public companies, according to Greenpeace's recommendations. They need to create new services for consumers as a means to stabilize revenues. These offerings particularly are aimed at end users relying on self-generation through uh, solar panels, as an example, Without new service offerings for customers, it will not be possible to absorb the declining revenues. What exactly those new service offerings are, I don't know. Uh, and so now, the kingdom of Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland, uh, is calling for build, bids to build 40 megawatts of solar power capacity to re- reduce reliance on ESCOM, because as we know, ESCOM is not reliable. It imports 80% of its electricity from South Africa, and Sikumbuzo uh, Nkambule, a communication consumer affairs of the Eswatini Energy Regulatory Authority, says the solar project could cut electricity imports and boost job creation and also stimulate foreign investment. Um, the government wants Swaziland to produce 100% of its power by 2034. It plans to expand hydroelectric power generation from the Maguga Dam project near the capital Mbabane. Under the project, water from the dam will be used to generate an extra 20 megawatts of electricity. Sure, so that's a lot of electricity. Now, Indian doctors are complaining. Uh, and now the, medical ca- the Council for Medical Schemes, which oversees the medical aids, has announced that Advocate Tembega Nugatobi is to chair a four-month investigation into allegations of racial profiling against black and Indian private medical practitioners by medical aides, including allegations of the use of hidden cameras uh, Council of Medical Schemes regulates private health financing through medical aid schemes. In mid-May, the Council announced they'd be moving forward with the investigation after members of the National Healthcare Professionals Association complained they've been unfairly treated and uh, their claims withheld by medical aid schemes based on the color of their skin and ethnicity. Um, Dr. Sipo Kabane, the Chief Executive Officer and Registrar of the Council of Medical Schemes, described Ngogataibo Tobi as a respected legal mind. He will be assisted by advocates Adila Hasim and Kerry Williams. The investigating panel will probe allegations of racial profiling, blacklisting for payments, blocked payments, demands for confidential clinical information, bullying and harassment, coercion, entrapment, and the use of hidden cameras. 
Kabani says our mandate is to measure the quality and outcomes of relevant healthcare services by medical schemes and to investigate complaints and settle disputes in relation to the affairs of medical schemes as provided by the Medical Schemes Act. Well, South African Airways workers went on strike today. Why? Because they want their boss back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they say Vuyani, Jar- Vuyani Jarana. The chief executive who has announced his resignation must come back. Um, uh, they staged lunchtime pickets around the country in protest against Gerana's resignation, as well as what they deem as inaction on a forensic report by Ernst & Young, submitted to the board in 2015, which implicated executives and board members in mismanaging the national carrier. The report was based on reviews of 48 procurement contracts awarded by SAA and its subsidiaries Airshafts, Mango and SAA Technical. Gerana cited a lack of support from government for his turnaround strategy as well as uncertainty of long-term financial support among the reasons for his resignation. Unions had previously claimed in a statement that Gerana was deliberately frustrated out of office. So the treasurer for the South African Cabin Crew Association, Gifte Bilankulu, told uh, newspapers uh, the association expected more than 500 employees to pick it in Joburg alone. So, well, that looks like Jarani was a, uh, Jarana was a uh, very um, uh, popular chief executive. Very unusual, I must say. And I really would like them to have a look at those contracts and uh, get those former board members to come back and explain everything. Like we say, you love your car? Are you willing to allow a stranger to go and drive your car around the country while you're at work during the day? If you are, well, then you need to call Rent Rent My Ride. It's launching a professional fleet owner service division to meet what it calls growing demand for private vehicle rental in the country. Rent My Ride offers low-cost, long-term vehicle rental and hire solutions to South African motorists, allowing motorists to register their vehicle on a system for long-term leasing and hire. A statement from the company says the new division utilizes the peer-to-peer rental platform that has facilitated over 15,000 vehicle rentals since its founding in 2014 to help companies and entrepreneurs rent out their fleet vehicles to prospective customers. Uh, Co-founder Sebastian Brockman said since 2014, the company had seen more South Africans enter the sharing economy by listing their cars and making money from it when they're not using the cars themselves. That's all we have time for for today. Well, we managed to get through everything. Alhamdulillah. Jazakumullah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today will be profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.